5, 5, 4, 4, 3, 3, 2, 1, 1. We have ignition. Strap in. You're listening to God Stories Radio. www.godstoriesradio.com Radio. This is session 66. I'm Mike. I'm Fritz. And I'm Trish. Well, Fritz, it's been a little while since we've been here. Man, I couldn't wait to get back, You Mikey. aren't the I, only one. Man, I, as much as I enjoy Thanksgiving and family and everything that goes along with that, and I just couldn't get back fast enough to God Stories Radio. I'm re- just really at home here. Really? I mean, I had the day off, and I'm just, all, most after I went to the gym and gave, got home, I'm just... Okay, okay, when's it going to be 7 o'clock? Let's go, let's go. No. Couldn't come fast enough. No, no, it couldn't. I missed you guys, too. You've been out for a few weeks. Yeah. A few weeks, How was your trip to the Keys there? It was fabulous. We went cool, though, wasn't it? It it was kind of rainy, and but I hadn't seen my friend in years. We've known each other since we were 14 years old, so it was nice to see her and catch up and... You know, our lives are so different now. We have kids and all that good stuff. So, good times. <laughs> all right. It's fantastic. I also got a call this week that my son is going to be released on the 15th of December. Oh, So, nice. we're really praying that, you know, his uh, probation officer will, will um, get an allowance for him to leave the state, at least for Christmas, where he can come down. Mm-hmm. But he I've made a promise to him. I'll I'll go there if I have to you know to seem and that's what's important so mm-hmm. god is definitely doing his part okay amen well, what a I've great had, week i've had a couple of miracles happen i want to tell you guys about do tell one is that um there was a specialist that wanted to see my daughter and um her next appointment was going to be in may of 2015 and in the middle of the night i was praying about it and god told me to send her an email so i sent her an email and she fit her in this past Monday and saw her. I also, there was a test that they wanted to do that's $20,000. And yeah, that caused quite a bit of issue in the household because it was like, do we get out a second mortgage on the home or what do we do? And um, I found a, again, I stayed up at night and I prayed and I said, God, you didn't bring me this far. I mean what am I going to do with this? And um, I got in touch with a lab that does everything on a sliding scale, and they are going to do a $20,000 test for $600, and they do a payment plan. Praise God. Wow. So things are coming together. Did you have to have Jim Baker acted? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he would have for $20,000, but for $600, he should be happy, happy, happy. What I I would say. (laughs) Absolutely. Wow. That's great. So I wanted to give some shout-outs. We've got, um, well, we have 40 countries now listening to God Stories Radio. And uh, I wanted to give a shout-out to the United Kingdom. We have Midway, Stockport, and Omog, and Craigavon. I hope I said those right. Right. And those are just some of the, I don't know what they call them over there, states or counties or whatever they are, but those are just some of the ones that do. Yeah. Welcome, our friends from the U.K. Yes. Thank you for listening. And then we had some new likes on Facebook. Fanny Lou Castaneda and Villavon Graciela, Arlene Delgado. And I want to give a special shout out on our Twitter. Dennis Rainey, hello, is now following us. So praise God. All right. Thanks for listening. Love Dennis Rainey. Yes, and, I do too. Uh, we at Real Men were doing the his, A video uh, series. Video series by Dennis Rainey, and it is phenomenal. It is. So if he's listening, maybe he'd consider coming on the show sometime. He can, That'd be great. He could call in on our new phone line. Yeah, really. I'm sure he's got a testimony. Oh, I told I'm sure the, he does. I told the guy at uh, CenturyLink I was going to have to have a DJ phone number, something really easy to remember. And so he's <laughs> looking through there and looking through there. He goes, hey, man, how about 2,900? I said, oh, that's it. 
A hundred so numbers. So I, yes. I said it's something I have to say with my DJ voice. So it'd be like three five two five three six twenty nine hundred. Twenty nine hundred. So is that the new number? That's the new number. Oh, give it again. Three five two five three six twenty nine hundred. You can call in now to God Stories Radio. Well, not now. Not but, yet. But there'll be. A, it's <laughs> it's all hooked up. We just um, we're waiting on one other piece of equipment, and it's about four hundred dollars for a hybrid telephone. Uh, system by jk audio is what we're hoping for so if anybody's listening to this and they feel led to help us out please press the button that'll open up a whole really, new world really really appreciate it it would uh, launch us into the next next level i believe so well anyway i'm excited about our guest tonight me too i, I couldn't wait for her to come on so uh tell us about her uh trish well this is a, a new a new best friend of mine um, her name is Danielle Suzanne Lynn from Z eighty eight point three. Told us about her. That's Suzanne. I'll tell you. That's we love Suzanne her. Lynn. She just sends us these testimonies. Keeps them coming. She said she had an amazing testimony, and so um, she got me in touch with Danielle, and we've been corresponding back and forth on Facebook, and um, we've shared a lot together. And um, with that, I will give you Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Welcome Thank to you, the Danielle. show. Thanks for coming. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be thanks here. Thanks for bringing your little chihuahua to keep my uh, <laughs> daughter busy. Hey, she's happy to be here. Anybody who will pet her. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my testimony is in the format of Celebrate Recovery. We love those guys. Yes, we do. They have helped me write my testimony, so I couldn't break away from it. But I was born in California to a mom who had four other children. Um, We had two brothers and two other sisters, and they all had different fathers. My mom, my siblings, and my biological father and myself lived across the street from uh, from my grandmother. Thomas, my biological father, would never let my mom take all of us out of the house at once because he was abusive, controlling, and completely horrible. And my grandmother got tired of my mom pleading with her, and she arranged it for us all to get out of the house um, at the same time. And we were sent to Oregon to live with my aunt in her garage. We didn't have anything, and my aunt's husband wouldn't let us live in the house. So my mom um, did what she could. And I'm not sure how my mom met my stepfather, who I call daddy. So if I refer to him, he is actually my daddy. He took us from the garage and moved us into a house where for the first time we had a bed. Um, I was only about six years old and this is all hearsay to me, but I've seen pictures of me sleeping in like dresser drawers and stuff like that. So um, my life was completely devastated when I was about two years old. My mom was diagnosed with brain cancer and her and my dad weren't married and so they got married right away. And over the next three years, she would travel to um, Washington to get chemotherapy and different surgeries. She had seven um, lemon-sized brain tumors removed from her brain. Um, At this time, there was four of us children who lived at home. My oldest sister was old enough to make her decision, and she went to go live with her father. Um, And they would take us to Washington on an alternate basis. So one of us would get to go for one week, and then the other one would get to go. And my grandma lived with us, and she stayed behind with the ones that weren't able to go. Um, The only memories I have of my mom was one when I was in her hospital room, and she was in her bed and I remember she was knitting because she loved to knit and I was um, on the floor playing with Lincoln Logs. Not sure how many of you know what those are, but... um, I'm afraid to say we probably do. Before (laughs) the iPads, there were Lincoln Logs. Yes. There were Lincoln Logs. The only other memory was the day she died. I was five years old and uh, it was the day that my mom took her last breath and went to be home and went home to be with the Lord. July 28th of 1990, it was a typical day for me. I was having a nap with my mom. I always took naps with her, and today was no different, except for I got woken up by being told to be quiet and that we were going to Dairy Queen. I told them, no, I can't leave. I got to tell mommy bye. And my aunt told me she was sleeping and I couldn't disturb her. My mother was dead right there in the bed, and I was sleeping with her. We went and got ice cream and toys for all of us. Then when we pulled back into the house, I saw that large metal truck leaving. 
I asked what it was and nobody responded. We walked into the house and I remember this like it was yesterday. My grandma and my dad were sitting in the living room crying and it was so quiet in the house. You could tell they they had been crying and it was just so emotional. I went running to my room. My mom's hospital bed would only fit in my room. So I went running to my room and she wasn't there and I said, where is mommy? And they told me that she had died and she was with God in heaven. Now this was the first time I had ever heard about God. And it was also the start of my abandonment and my anger. Um, and shortly after the funeral, which I was told I was too little and wasn't able to be there. My family was completely split. Um, since none of us were with our biological fathers, um, my dad had to relinquish any rights that he had. Um, so we went to spread my mom's ashes in the creek at Shotgun Park where my parents had gotten married. And it was my mom's favorite place to be and then immediately there my brothers got sent to their father and my sisters got sent to theirs and I did get left with my stepdad who is my daddy but again I felt so abandoned and at this time I never even knew that he was my stepdad I just knew that he was my dad we moved from a large house that was a home to a small tiny trailer that was located behind a convenience store my dad had spent most of his money trying to um, save my mom from her disease, so he didn't have the money to maintain our house anymore without my grandma's help. That is where the downroad spiral started for me. I was about six years old, and I started to steal candy from the store, and I lied, and I cried a lot this summer. In September, my dad said, it's time for you to start kindergarten. So things were going okay, or so I thought, you know, I would go to school, I would come home. My dad would put me on the back of his Harley, and we would go to dinner at Sizzler's or to a Chinese place. We never went anywhere else, and after dinner, it was into work with my dad. He worked at the Springfield News, so he was a pressman supervisor on the night shift. Um, in the office, my dad put a little cot on there, and there was a little 10-inch TV that was black and white, and I was able to watch cops. And sometimes um, a guy, Nigel, would be working in the camera room, and he'd come and get me and sneak me out and let me color in all the little spots on the little film. Back then, they used some kind of film, and you had to color in all the spots so there was nothing there. And I thought it was so special that he would let me do that. I felt for the first time a sense of value. My dad would stay in the press room and come and check on me in his breaks, but by the time he did, I was already in my cot asleep, so he didn't really know that Nigel had taken me in. One day, we came into work and Nigel wasn't there. I asked my dad what happened, and he told me that Nigel had died. I was like, how? He's not sick. And my dad told me sometimes people die. Later that night was my first exposure to something that shocked me and didn't make, didn't make any sense. Um, I was listening to the guys in the break room talk, and they said that Nigel had committed suicide. I could not believe it. I had grown close to him, and he had two little boys that were about my age. And later I found out that he really wanted a daughter, but they couldn't have any more children. Abandonment? Maybe, but definitely anger. I could not express it to my dad because I would get in trouble for listening to an adult's conversation. Then the summer approached that year, and my dad couldn't afford to keep me because I wasn't in school during the day, and he couldn't put me into any kind of daycare. So he sent me to my grandma's house in California to live with her for the summer. There I started um, to experience sexual abuse. My brother lived not very far from my grandma, and she promised my mom that we would stay together so she would bring us together. And after all, we were family. Um, my brother, who was five years older than me, um, he was about 11, started having me touch him inappropriately, and he would tell me that it was our secret game. And if I told anybody, I would not be allowed to go back to my dad. This went on all summer long, and then I finally was going back home. Anger and shame just overwhelmed me. I knew it wasn't right, but I wasn't able to tell anybody. This went on every summer for eight years. When I was in the second grade, I started to write poetry. My teacher would read it, and she would always want to know why it was so sad and dark. Miss Young was her name, and she was a very nice older teacher that was sweet and soft-spoken. And she took an interest in me, and she would take time to talk to me about what little bit I knew about my mom, about my memories, and how I was feeling. 
She was the second person to really show me I was valued. She talked with my dad and he and told him that she would keep me after school and bring me home in the afternoon a couple times a week. When I went to her house, she would bake with me, tell me stories. She was a folk teller, folk storyteller, and we would sing and dance and laugh together. And I loved that time with her. This went on up until I was about in fifth grade. I remember my dad had a friend, Holly, and she was never really around until I was like in second or third grade that I can remember. But she knew my mom and she would talk about her to me. And my dad would never talk to me about my mom or even acknowledge me when I would try. We had no pictures of her in our house, um, but Hollywood. And she had a daughter, Melanie, who was eight years older than me. And Holly would take me with her during the weekends because my dad didn't know how to deal with his emotions of losing my mom, so he started drinking heavily. And she would, uh, Melody would allow me to go hang out with her and her friends. There I was exposed to what I would consider teenage stuff, sexual talk, boyfriends, etc. That year, my dad had a major heart attack and was in the hospital. After recovering shortly from that, he had a back injury from work and had to have back surgery. There were nights that I ate and my dad would sit and wait until I was done eating before he would eat to make sure that I had food. My daddy was an alcoholic, but still very much loved me and showed me the only way he knew how. He would send me to church with my friend Emmeline and her family every Sunday. Also, any other time that I could be there, it was free babysitting. Emmeline's mom, Cheryl, used to take care of me from time to time and even allowed me to go to dance with Emmeline. This was my first real exposure to somebody who was considered a Christian who showed me the love of Christ and accepted me regardless of what was going on with me. During fourth grade, my dad on and off had a male nanny at home. And he, we didn't know, but he was a pedophile. And he would also molest me. And I was so scared I wouldn't tell my dad. And my dad still to this day does not know it. But I know the Lord was watching over me because he did not stay in our home very long. My dad kicked him out in about three weeks. He said it was because he was messy, but I know it was God protecting me as I'm looking back these days. In the fifth grade, my dad got into contact with my stepbrother, Billy. He was getting married and wanted my dad at his wedding. So my dad went to Florida for what was supposed to be a vacation. I stayed with Emmeline and her family. As well as part of the time with Holly, my dad was gone about two weeks, and it coincided with Emmeline's family schedule, so Holly took care of me. And she was a really caring woman that really did her best to provide a safe, loving, mothering relationship. She was a single mother, and she completely understood my dad's situation. They did not date, and honestly, was just a friend. I remember that year, and I went to church, and I remember them saying that when you are scared, God is always with you. Deuteronomy 31.6 has been one of my favorite verses. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For me, them was the people who had kept harming me. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I wasn't a believer, but that verse still stuck with me. And I also felt that if God would always keep me safe, why did he allow so much heartache in my life? I was confused. I went to church religiously, but it was a way to keep away from my home, not because of relationship. After my father came back from Florida, he told me we were moving at the end of the school year. I was devastated. You were going to take me to Florida? That's like 3,000 miles away. To be with someone that you hadn't seen in over 20 years, how could you take me away from everything, I thought. I began to even be angry and filled with emotion. And I remembered having to tell my friend that I was never going to see her again. Again, I questioned if God loved me. Why was he allowing this to happen? I had already lost my mom, Nigel, my family, and now I was losing my friends and life right before I went to middle school. Anger and abandonment welled up in me, but again, I couldn't express it. Feelings weren't allowed in my home. The summer came and Billy flew to Oregon and helped my, my dad drive to Florida with all of our belongings. Along the way, he dropped me at my grandma's house. That year, she had moved to Nevada, and I thought that I would be safe from the summer sexual abuse. Boy, was I wrong. 
My grandma flew my brothers out to Nevada to stay with us for the summer. I felt completely alone. During that time, I was scared and angry. After my brothers left, it was just my grandma, Pop Pop, and I. And I was treated with so much love, I almost didn't want to go to Florida. I was scared. My daddy was there, though, and I was a daddy's girl. The summer came to a close, and I was told I would be leaving. I asked how long would it take to drive 3,000 miles. My grandma told me, I'm sorry you're not driving. You are going to get on an airplane and fly by yourself. I had flown by myself before, but it was only like an hour flight. This one was many hours, and I was scared, but again told to get over it. When I got to Florida, my dad had changed. He was drinking more, and I immediately was labeled the geeky kid with a funny accent. But I never had one, so I never understood it. I think it's a Southern thing. The one who had, and I was also labeled the one who had the alcoholic loser father. Again, I was alone and didn't know what to do. I quickly found a church in my neighborhood that I could walk to. I knew that if I got into church, I would be away from the dark, empty house at night. That's where I met a man named Eddie. This man was a youth leader from church. He was different than most of the church people. He was down to earth and fun to be around. And he was kind of like a big kid himself. I found myself at church a lot just to be around the caring youth leaders. I would go to any time the doors were open and I was on every sports league that was open to the girls. I seen something in Eddie that I never really realized before. I asked Eddie, what is it about you that makes you so annoyingly happy? He told me that it was the joy of knowing God was with him. I was 11 and I wanted that joy. My life had been miserable at this point. After talking with Eddie, I asked the Lord into my life, but I didn't feel that magical, spectacular, overwhelming feeling, so I didn't think it worked. I continued to go to church to get out of my home, and at age 12, I started to find acceptance from boys. When I was about 14, I met a girl and um, went to school with her. She had a boyfriend, and her boyfriend had a friend, and so we were gonna be the group, and there was four of us. He was 18 at the time, and I was only 14. I was not sexually active, but that summer, I started smoking pot, drinking, and decided that it was time to give up my innocence. Plus, he was the first male that ever told me he loved me. My dad never did. He, those words never came from his mouth. I gave him my innocence and my life changed. I had decided that the only way to get attention from a man is to have sex, party, and be fun. That summer, I had my first job. I worked at Chick-fil-A, and my dad told me, you're old enough to work, find a way to get there. I would walk, ride the bus, or even sometimes get rides home with random guys from the mall. I started to skip school and go hang out with this guy and his friends and party harder. At the age of 15, I moved in with this man and his parents. And at that time, his parents knew of my age, and we started partying even harder. I had this friend, Tara, um, and she took me in as her residence babysitter teenager. She was much older and had four kids. She decided it would be better for me to live with her than to live with that man. But her life took a drastic change. She decided that I would be her permanent babysitter for partying time and needed me to watch her kids. So she would take us all along with her because I wasn't technically responsible enough to be left at her home, in her opinion, so it was better to bring me to the parties and put us in a room. When the kids would fall asleep, I would go out and she would give me alcohol. I would watch them do ecstasy and cocaine. I would drink and smoke pot with her like I was one of her friends. This went on for quite a while. I can't remember the exact years, but it was between 15 and 17 years old. I met my ex-husband Jason shortly thereafter, and him and I would party together. He was my dealer. So we moved in together in a mother-in-law suite in a bad neighborhood. We would party and carry on. This is when he introduced me to cocaine. I was tired of the smoking, not killing my emotions, and I was tired of drinking. So I decided that people seemed happy when they do cocaine. So I decided to give it a try. Tara did, so why wouldn't I? At this time in my life, my dad and I had gone our separate ways. Tara and I didn't talk. 
So I was again abandoned. What else did I have to live for? I ended up being addicted. And one time while we were partying, we did it for several days at a time, where that was all we did. During this time was when I found out just how abusive he truly was. I told him I didn't have any more money, and he punched me in the face, broke my nose, and strangled me. At that point, I thought my life was going to come to an end, but if it wasn't for the friends that we were partying with, I don't know if I would be here today. But then I looked back on it and realized that it was God's provision, even when I wasn't following him. Two days after that, I found out I was pregnant. Jason told me that we must abort the baby. We can't afford one, and I had already messed the baby up with the traces of drugs in my system. I would go to jail if I stayed with them, or if they found out that I had them. I could not justify having an abortion, so I went on a binge. The next day I went to work, and I had a miscarriage. I knew I'd given it to myself. Mission successful. The baby would be better off that way, and no one would have to know that I murdered that baby. Or so, that's how I justified it. Today, I still continually hurt. I, can, I continued to party for about six months or so, but at this time, it was longer and harder. I realized I had missed a period and thought I was pregnant again. I went to the health department and got a free blood test, and it came up that I was pregnant. As soon as I found out, I decided that I was never touching anything again. That was on November 18th of 2003. I realized I was a mommy and I could not go through the hurt that I did with the last, lo with the last baby I lost. Her name was Precious. I left Jason for a time period and ran into my dad after not seeing him. I told him I was four months pregnant, couldn't really hide it, and that I was no longer with Jason and had nowhere to go. He told me to come home. So I did, and I lived with him f until I had Courtney on July 24th of 2004. I ended up pregnant with Ethan on my eight-week checkup, and the doctor yelled at me that I was not even clear. I already was a few weeks pregnant. I hid the pregnancy from everyone until I could not hide it anymore. I had Ethan July 6th of 2007. At that time, Jason and I were trying to work things out. However, I was still living with my dad. We flopped back and forth for a while. Then in 2006, we moved to Kissimmee to start our life over because if I pulled him away from the drugs and the friends that he had, everything would be good. Yeah, not really. I found out I was pregnant with Kyle in November of 2006 and told Jason that if he didn't marry me, Kyle would not have his last name and I would leave him for good. We got married in January. Kyle was born in June. At this time, Tara had cleaned up her life and was involved in mine. Jason was gone a lot and left me in Kissimmee without a car and with four kids at home. He would go out and not come home, and when he would be home, he was abusive physically, mentally, and emotionally. I told him I needed a car to take the kids to doctors and stuff and also to take his daughter from a different relationship to school. He finally decided to get me another car. Immediately, I looked for a church. There was a calling deep within me that told me to find people I could be around. In October of 2007, Jason came home at 11.36 p.m. and got his clothes and his six-year-old that was from another relationship. He told me he was leaving. I tried to plead with him and tell him not to leave me and the kids. I wasn't working, I had no money, and rent was due. He continued to abuse me and push me and hit my head up against the wall. And my daughter at this time was two and a half years old. She came out of her room to see Jason beating me and started screaming. I will never forget her face. It's engraved in my memory. He picked up Courtney and told her that she will never see him again because mommy is mean and mommy hates daddy and is making him leave. Emotional trauma started for my daughter at that point but also continued to break through me and send up more walls. I immediately told her, go to your brother's room and check on them for me, be a big girl. And as she went in there, I made sure that she was safe. I followed her and locked the door and we waited until he was gone. We made a bed in there and stayed in there. The kids were too young to remember what has happened, thankfully and they had no clue. It was about a week before they even asked for Jason at all. They were used to him not being there. So the rent was due that week, and we were already a month and a half behind. So I called Jason and asked him for it, 
He told me he wasn't giving me anything. This was the beginning of many moves to come and more abandonment. Immediately, I looked for another man to fill this void. The first man to pay attention to me was a man named Scott, who I worked with for only a couple of weeks before we started talking. He was 20 years older than me, drove a nice sports car, and was a manager. I thought he is doing well for his life. He should be responsible and treat me like the princess I have always longed to be. That relationship was a nightmare. I found out that he was only around to boost his ego. However, I didn't find that out for three years. Before I realized this, that I needed to end this before I ended up dead. He was an alcoholic who liked to play house. He would take me out on dates, hang out with the children, and tell me how much he loved me and wanted to be a family. But on the other hand, he would be unreachable, wouldn't show up when he said he would. He had another life, and I found out he was living with somebody else. I would call him out on it, and he would start a physical fight with me. The kids loved him because he was the first man to show them true attention and buy them anything he wanted. He, he would play and watch cartoons and you know, make everything look like it was a great situation. I should have seen the warning signs when I got a phone call that he was in jail for strangling his ex-wife. I didn't, though. I had such low self-esteem that I needed this man in my life. No other man would want to be with a woman who was going through a divorce, working two jobs to support her family. At this time, I was administrative assistant during the day, and at night, I would pick my kids up, drop them off to a nanny, and go work at a topless bar until 3 a.m., sleep for two hours, and repeat. I never seen my kids, and I missed most of their young milestones. I still have a hard time with this one. But back to the night I received the call, Scott told me what happened that he would pay me back if I bailed him out, so of course I did. He told me it was all lies. I believed everything he said. Shortly after that, we moved out to Claremont to live closer to my best friend Tara and into a house that I could afford. Scott moved with us. Well, not true. He said he was going to move with us and helped me move and that we were going to get married and we even went to a jewelry store and put a $9,000 wedding set on layaway plan. Only to find out later, he never paid on it and changed his mind. We planned the whole wedding, and it was going to be something small with no reception, and we were going to go to Hawaii. Just before we started to get the deposits ready to be put down, he told me that he had to push the wedding back for three months because his daughter needed to go to rehab, and that what that was going to take the money that he had saved. Little did I know, he never really opened the account, and the money I was giving him was going to his other girlfriend's house. My family and friends all told me how much of a loser he was and that I needed to leave. Finally, three years later, Tara had an intervention and told me it was time for me to leave Scott. Once I did, he started to stalk me. He would come by my house, leave notes, check my doors, try to unlock my windows. So much so that I actually had to call the police and have him arrested. During all these three years, I had finally gotten a full divorce found out that before my divorce was even finalized, Jason had gotten remarried and had two other children. Also, I found out that he was treating my three children horribly when he did take them. I cut off visitations with him and decided it was time to get my life back on track. I recommitted my life to Christ. I knew that I had to do something different and sanity is not gonna work in this life. As soon as I did, my life changed. I was making my bills and the kids seemed to be happier and I found a new joy of just being with me. One day, I was at work and got a phone call that my dad telling me that my uncle was in the hospital with stage five cancer. I was devastated, left work and immediately went to the hospital to be by his side. My dad would not help him for he had a lot of ill feelings because my uncle was also an alcoholic but he lived in the woods because he wouldn't want to do anything but drink. I didn't care regardless of him being that way. He was family and I was going to have him go through this pain with somebody. Dunkle, as I call him, was a second dad to me. He lived with me much of my childhood, although he contributed to much of my sneaking out and late nights. And when he could, he would not tell or even cover for me with my dad. Our relationship had always been strong and I always checked on him even in the woods. The hospital told me he didn't have much time to live and somebody needed to take care of him. I decided that was going to be me. 
I took him to Gainesville for all of his appointments and chemo treatments. And in return, he would help out with the kids if he was feeling up to it or if I wanted to go out. He encouraged me to date. I remember that his, even though his cancer got worse, he would still say, you need to go date and I'll watch the kids. One night I was bored and Dunkle and I were talking and he told me that I needed to start dating again. I set up a profile on OkCupid. And let me tell you, I would not recommend that site to anyone. It is a free site and I was getting all sorts of nonsense. I clearly stated in my bio that I was a Christian and was looking for a Christian man. After about three weeks of getting nonsense, I decided it was time to delete my accounts. But the day before I did, um, August of 2011, the love of my life contacted me. I will never forget that first letter to me. I seen a picture of this handsome man and he started out by saying, I pray that this finds you well and I hear from you soon. Have a blessed night. I felt butterflies in my stomach that night reading his email, which was weird because I don't ever remember a time having butterflies. I realized after talking to him a lot over the next four days that he was worth meeting. We met for our first date at Starbucks for tea, and that was about six days later, after my Bible study class at a church I was attending. We talked for hours until the Starbucks owner uh, worker said, you guys have to leave, we're closed. There was something there between us. He gave me a list of boundaries for a Christian relationship. What is that? One of those boundaries was no physical touch, such as hugs or kissing, for several months. Oh, and no sex before marriage. I was like, are you crazy? I have never known anyone who done that, and I couldn't imagine doing that. I knew that God demanded that purity from us, but never thought that I could live up to that. It has been, it was oh, about a year later and God has blessed us with the strength to make it through that before we ended up getting married. As stated in Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. My kids and I used to also quote Philippians 4.13, says I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I used this every time I was feeling weak. This was about the time that my seizure disorder decided that it was going to flare up. I started having seizures and was afraid to tell Daniel. But that was just Satan trying to mess with me, not realizing with, with me because he realized how much good we were going to do together. He witnessed it and he said it was okay. He took me to all my appointments and stayed with me. We tried all types of medication and it wasn't working. I started to doubt my faith. Why was God doing this? All of a sudden, my new motto verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to prosper you, not to harm you. This verse was everywhere. It was smacking me in the forehead. Sunday school classes, sermons, on the Z, and other people's testimonies, I swear it was everywhere. I finally realized that God was telling me I needed to surrender to him. I ignored it for a bit. I was not surrendering all of it to him, only what I wanted to. I finally was put on a medication to shut down my hormones, and then we would discuss doing a hysterectomy. I also decided at the same time, God, this is where you're leading me. I'm going to surrender. And I did. The Lupron was um, so supposed to stop my, my body from having hormones, and my seizures were supposed to stop. And they did. And so we scheduled the surgery for the hysterectomy. But everything fell through the day before surgery. I was crushed, wondering why God did this. But we continued to stand strong on Jeremiah 29, 11. The Lupron wore off and I was worried I would start having seizures again. But God had healed me. I have not had a seizure since then. This has taught me that with God, I can turn everything over to Him, even the big stuff. Do I still struggle with this daily? Yes, I do. But when I'm being stubborn, God always finds a way to smack me with my motto verse. Daniel stuck with me through all of this. And since that time, Daniel and I have had our relationship issues. We are both working on our past hurts. I will never forget when someone said, hurt people, hurt people. 
Daniel and I have hurt each other as we learn how to live life together as two people that are hurting and in the healing process. I know that God has blessed our relationship and has brought us together for greater things. Daniel has been such a great inspiration for me. He pushed me to follow God's word. He has shown me a different life than any other relationship. He has allowed God to work on me and help me and push me into allowing God to take complete control over my life. He also has been the one that has made me open up and allow God to bring me through the healing process of all my abuse. I praise God for him every day. We have now been married for almost two years and the bumps in the road are less frequent and easier to overcome since we have Christ in the center of it. On December 29th, 2013, I was driving the children to church. It was raining and there was road construction. My car crashed into another car. This accident killed two people, the driver of the other car and her eight-year-old son, Ethan. I was in the hospital for 48 days and I suffered a broken face, facial reconstruction, both legs broken, broken pelvis, and many other complications. I was in a coma for two weeks. Courtney and Kyle both had neck injuries. Courtney's required a major surgery. I had no control over my life, my kid's life, or what was happening. I had to just lay there and know that God would handle everything. When I woke up, I was told of my children's conditions and that Ethan had passed. Devastated and angry that I would never see my son again, I began to question God why did you do this? We were following you, God. You had just decided to go full-time missions to Guyana to help women and children affected by human trafficking. My Ethan professed he wanted to be a pastor while his desire came true. However, he did not get an adult pastor position, but he sure did spread the message of God. Since his death, 20 people that we know of gave their life to the Lord. He was an amazing little boy that had a heart for God and leading people to God. God was, has a different timing and maybe a different plan for us. I have struggled with life ever since the accident. We are coming up on a year, and with Christmas around the corner, it makes it extremely difficult. My son loved Christmas, and it was his favorite holiday. Over this past year, I've had a total of 10 surgeries eight of them being on my right ankle, two on my face, and then several combined surgeries, such as having a trach, feeding tubes inserted and removed. The original doctors told my husband that they would fuse my ankle into a 90 degree angle. It would allow me to walk, never to run, to ch never to chase my kids, or never to go on a bike ride again. My husband prayed over every surgery consult before any decision, and by seeking God's wisdom, he declined the surgery, which left me in a external fixator, which was tubes and wires in my leg until he could find another doctor. But he did, and he was willing to do the multiple surgeries to restore my ankle today. After eight long, hard, stressful surgeries and five months of physical therapy, today, I took my very first steps without any assistance or without any boot or brace on my ankle. This pain that I have experienced is something I would not wish on Satan or his demons. I have felt more physical pain and emotional pain in the last 11 months than I have in 29 years. Right now we are still recovering from the physical and emotional pain of losing our child and the injuries but God continues to blow us away with the amount that he is providing for every need, financially, physically, and emotionally. I can say I have seen Jesus meet me in every area of my life. I am blessed to have a church family that has lifted us in prayer, bathed us in love and support and continue to be here for us. I'm not able to drive, so I have no physical, I, as I have no physical recovery, if, I'm not able to drive as I have no physical control over my right ankle. If it was not for my church family, I would not have been able to go to my many doctor's appointments. Even in the storm, God has shown me that I can praise him. I do not know how anyone without God and faith is able to continue life after losing a child. As my life continues to follow the 
Lord, my recovery has brought me much pain emotionally and has also brought me much needed healing, forgiveness, and has allowed me to break free from the chains that held me down all these years. I have since been able to forgive my brother and the nanny that molested me for years. I have not confronted them or been in the same location as they have. I believe this is God protecting me even further. The program Celebrate Recovery has allowed me to process my emotions, hurts, habits, and hang-ups in a safe, non-judgmental place, where then, which then allowed me to see God's unconditional love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness that He has for me. Life will continue to throw you curves. It is with the tools that Celebrate Recovery teaches that allows you to roll with those curves and overcome them. I remember my first Celebrate Recovery meeting. Daniel was in Australia, and it was my eight years celebration of being drug-free. I remember feeling so loved and that I felt in, that I felt fit in. I got in a step study, and going through the step four was the hardest for me, but also the most liberating. This step gave me the tools I needed to work through the unforgiveness that I had to all those people. God taught me that with those tools, I can feel free and lighter. My sponsor has helped me through this very painful process. It's an important step. If it was not for her guidance, love, and patience, I would have never made it. I have moved from just attending to working on my recovery to facilitating and serving as the trainer of new leaders. God states that what is meant for evil, he turns to good. And without my horrible background, I do not think I would have the empathy for women and children that are being abused. Nor would I look up for the guidance from my Heavenly Father that I so need. Celebrate Recovery is a program based on biblical principles. And without that program, I do not think I would be able to place those principles into active working order in my life. I know that with God and following these steps, life can be so much easier. Thank you. Wow. 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 (laughs) I do have one thing to say. And I'm sure you know it. You will see Ethan again. I do. I bank on that. Amen. Mm, I kept looking at his pictures last night and his beautiful blue eyes. And I thought, she's going to see those eyes again. Mm -hmm. I am. And he's going to embrace me and hug me again. And you will also see that aborted one again, too. Yes, I know. I believe that Ethan is cradling precious and continues to love on her every day. You're right. Mm. Wow. So and there's a miracle too. You did not end up having the hysterectomy because it should everything have happened. fell through. Right. Yes. And now you're thinking about going for another miracle gift. Yes. Yes, very much so. And the other miracle is that they told my husband that I wouldn't make it out of my coma. Um, they had to give me twelve units of blood. If it wasn't for somebody else's blood or those twelve people's blood just like Jesus, if it wasn't for his blood, I wouldn't be saved. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be here today. Right. Yep. And that's how God does things, you know. Uh, where God has been taking me these past eight years, um, you have empathy and you know where these people, I mean, you know, if you want to get go to a, a doctor for to get fixed or, let's say, uh, mind stuff, right? And you, you go to a doctor who's gone through school and everything else. Would you rather go to them or to go to someone that has who's gone been there. through it and been there and done that? That's what you want. And that's what God does. And that's why we have, to, you know, the mission statement for God Stories Radio, bringing hope, comfort, and encouragement through Do the power of the Christian testimony. Second Corinthians 1, 4. Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, right. Yep. Who comforted us in our troubles so that we can comfort, comfort those? In any trouble. In any trouble. Correct. I think that's NIV. <laughs> that's what I'm used to. But uh, I, I stand on that one. Right. Man, and what a testimony. Really? Uh, I know. I'm blown wow. away. I had so many questions. and now I, I'm I did, like, too. I had a ton of questions, wow. and then I, I just went speechless about the last half of that. Uh-huh. Um, the other thing I wanted to stress... There's a couple things. One is how important Celebrate Recovery is to so many people. If you're out there and you're hurting, that is a place to go to get all the spiritual help and support you need. Absolutely. God Stories Radio recommends Celebrate Recovery. We all are graduates of Celebrate Recovery. They also allow people who aren't just Christians, and so you don't have to be a Christian to go there. 
Oh, I didn't know that. They are That's the most awesome. uh, non-judgmental um, people I've ever met. I mean, uh, they're just, you know, what can we do? Mm-hmm. They take come all who are weary, literally. Come as you are. Yep. yep. Yes. Absolutely. And then the other thing I was thinking of is that the holidays are coming and they need blood a lot of times you know there's a shortage around the holidays so very much so. maybe if people would in honor of ethan donate some blood this holiday season it would really man i wish i could i'm on warfaring now and boy i used to be a gallonier i just got like off a, a the list gallonier. of not being able to donate i can yeah. donate now again maybe i'll go go donate my first my first pint for ethan yep post it on facebook okay i will <laughs> Yes. Let's do it. Thank you, Danielle. Danielle, thank you so much. Wow. And thank you're only, you for having me. And you're only like 29, 30 years old, and you went through all of this already. Wow. I'm 29. Let's not go to 30. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to figure it out early when she said she was five years old, and then, you know. Six, and then yeah, yeah, 11. Yeah. And I'm then you normally ask, what was your two-by-four moment? But I think with hers, there were... They just kept coming. One after another, so... Yeah, and she referred to the scriptures as, she did. as slapping her around. Yeah. Or the, I know. Isn't I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. I'm stubborn. I need to be slapped around we, every now and again. We well, you're are. in good company. That's <laughs> for sure. Because we've all had to be slapped around yep. a little bit, and we were all, you know... And when God takes you to those places, those places just where you said you were by yourself and everything else, that's when he wants you the most to press into him. Amen. Mm. And it's yeah. just you and him. And as I learned when I was going through that... What I tell people is that he wants you to find out who you really are. Amen. And then who you are in him. Right. And and he will squeeze until he, he gets it all. He will. He will. So you might as well. Don't go through all the stuff I had to go through for yes, him to get what he you. wanted. Thank you, Danielle. <laughs> yeah. I think we're brother and sister. I, I, I went through just about everything you did, but you got me at the end. I mean, there was a few there that I was just... I lost my mom to uh, inoperable breast cancer when I was very young and um, just a lot of, of situations that, that you mentioned. And so, God wow. is good. He brings yes, us together for mm-hmm. his glory. Yep. And he allows you to live those, those situations, good or bad, so right. that you can minister to others in that, right. in and that and situation. It, what the biggest thing is, most of the time, as she said, towards the end there, unforgiveness. That's what gets us all. Yeah. You did it to me, and I'm mad, and I'm not going to forgive you, and so on and so forth. Well, uh, it does. It's freeing. It's the biggest the freeing thing, oh, yes. It will let, set you free, absolutely. Hey, man, well, we've all had those conversations with, with the Father, you know. Well, mm-hmm. I'll give you this, this, and this, but uh, I'll continue to handle this. I got this, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's sure that tug of war thing. Sure you do. <laughs> you can have this right now, but when I see that you're not doing it, I'm going to take it back. That's right. That's right. Wow. Yes. What a, this was session 66. And Danielle even said that she was kind of fighting a cold and stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. we're just like, well, it's we're not key. surprised. No, and she also said that this is, uh, I don't know, she's given her testimony quite a few times, and every single time, all of a sudden, she gets... Uh, some type of ailment on the day she's supposed to yeah. get it. Old Slewfoot don't want this testimony out there. I'm telling you right now, there's no. some ones out there that needed to hear oh, what absolutely. she had to say. Absolutely. And uh, I'd Even be re- if it's just one part of oh, it here, amen. one part of it there, absolutely. I'd be real surprised if we don't get any feedback, you know, from, from this session. So. Yeah, tell them how to get in touch with us, Fritz. Yeah, you can uh, get us on uh, God Stories Radio at Gmail. You know, if something Danielle's testimony uh, touched you, uh, um, let us know. You know, let us know. If you have a question for Danielle, go to God Stories Radio at Gmail and drop us a line, and we'll get it to her, and and uh, she can contact you or however we'll work it out. Mm-hmm. You know, you can also uh, get us on Facebook by... Uh, Going to God Stories Radio. No, that was, that was Mikey's cue. Oh, mine to twit That us. was the twit. Yeah, you can twit us. You can twit us. Mikey missed his cue. Oh, I didn't. I was thinking of something else. I was thinking... Um, <laughs> he was off He was on, in deep thought. He I really was. I was in deep thought. I was trying to think of uh, the... Um, he oh, was not on Earth. The guy's then. name that uh, a couple weeks ago that called from um, Oregon. Oh, Jason. The, 
The yeah, guy with a taxi? Yes. Yes. Did yes. you did you see the numbers on that testimony? Yeah. I mean, it's the fastest that hit those numbers. It was a, it was like seven hundred and something for the month. Oh, for the month. Yeah, but, but his alone is already at two fifty. Oh yeah. Wow. Oh, and speaking of our friends from around the world, um, Pastor Wilkins, we want to say some prayers for him. He's venturing out into Uganda. He's he's in um, Kenya, and he's uh, going to be going on a trip, and he wanted some prayers. So if you could stand in prayer with him. And, um, hey, man, that guy's busy. He is. I'm telling you. Well, that's good. And we're going we're gonna to get package. to bless him and send him a package, and we can't wait to get it done. Yeah. Speaking Help of, him, so. and don't forget the donate button and the store. Yes, please check out our store on GodStoriesRadio.com and anything that you purchase there. Yeah, there's a Trish bear. There's a Trisha bear. Everybody needs one for <laughs> but Christmas, you gotta, right? Everybody needs a coffee mug. You know, the God Stories Radio official coffee mug. You know, check it out. And we get a couple of bucks, you know, and you get a nice coffee mug. We really appreciate it. And we do have the donate button. We have some immediate needs. You know, we're uh, seeking some things. So if you feel led, right. push the button. and Please you know, do. It's always been our agenda to bless you. And and uh, we have funded this thing as long as we can. Right. So. And at this point now, we have been getting some uh, donates, donate button pushed a few times. Uh, some on, from on a regular basis, so we're kind of uh, starting at the beginning of the year. We are going to try and take some of the expenses that we are paying for now of our yeah. own par- pocket to uh, have the donate button cover some of those the expenses. cash taken care for those expenses. Yeah, and we hopefully. appreciate all of our yes, supporters. amen. We love you guys. We love you thank all. Thank you. Thank you so so very much, Anthony um, and JD. <laughs> Anthony, JD. JD. Yeah, yeah. JD showed up real men on Monday night. Thank yeah. you, JD. We got our Jesus T-shirts. Yeah, yes, he, we he, did. Gave, he blessed a couple of the guys in the group with some uh, Jesus T-shirts. So yeah, I like hanging happy. out with him. I went to the Chick Fil A with him too. that night, and I ended up passing out T-shirts too. I was just having a ball and taking pictures with people. And well, uh, man, that guy's got it going on. Man, he's about the Father's business. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you need a free Jesus T-shirt, get in touch with us. Yes, we will get you one. Promise. All right, so. session 66. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us uh, for the last 56 minutes. That was session 66. I'm 66. Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. God bless you. God bless. Seems like all I could see was the struggle. Haunted by ghostly
chains and wipe away every stain Cause I'm not who I used to be I am redeemed You said me God redeemed.